Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Thank you, Lord. It's my privilege to be, to have the opportunity to minister today. I thank you to the ministry team here, Brother Huba, and the church for the opportunity. And we pray that God is blessing them where they're at today. But I believe that God came to speak I know for sure he did because what I've got goes perfectly with Brother Brother Floyd's teaching this morning. Excellent word of God. Going to be reading from 1 John chapter number 3, verses 18 through 24. <clears throat> and I will just tell you from the beginning that I use a lot of scripture but we won't slow down to read it. I will tell you where it's at, and then I'm going to read. But I love the Word of God. I love that one of the advantages of getting older is that the Word of God begins to tie, be tied together. Those scriptures that you learned individually when I was a kid, now they start fitting together. So I love the word of God. First John chapter three, verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth. Shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. And knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment, and that he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. I'm going to preach the thief of confidence. The thief of confidence. And let's ask God that he would speak today from his word. Because I do believe that God has something that he desires to do. Lord Jesus, we need you. We need your anointing upon your word and upon your messenger. But God, because I know that what I am. God, just flesh. But God, when your spirit can move, God, when your, your word can go out, faith begins to build. And I ask you that you would do that in this place today. God, that confidence in you would grow. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. Thank you, Lord. The scripture that we read, it talks about our heart, and it talks about that God is greater than our heart. 
the heart is a, in, in biblical terms is a center of our thoughts or feelings. Uh, and so when it speaks of our heart, that's what it's talking about, the center of our thoughts and our feelings. Uh, and it says that when our heart, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than, than our heart. Anybody's heart ever condemn you? I, I don't know of anybody that's ever lived for God for any length of time that you didn't feel the condemnation from yourself. Because we know ourselves better than anyone. I know who I am and my failures and my mistakes. And so when I come to God, those are the things that I see. Those are the things that I think about. And they get between me and a God who would like to help me with my situation. And so what happens is this condemnation is what causes us to pull away from God. It's what causes me to withdraw when God is trying to do something in my life. Because condemnation robs me of faith. Because I look at myself instead of God. But the Bible says that if my heart condemns me, God is greater than my heart. I'm glad about that. That when my heart is saying that I'm unworthy and that I am not, I, I don't deserve what God's trying to do, that, that it's right. It's right, but I, my dependence is not on me. It's not on my, my ability or my, uh, whether I deserve it or not. It's based on a God who gave everything for me. And so God is greater than my heart. To condemn means to find fault with or to blame. Anybody ever talk to yourself? You do something that you know was not very smart. You're, and, and you don't want to, these masks really help. Especially when you're really aggravated with yourself. You can talk to yourself and nobody even knows. Uh, but that's who we are. We are human. And so we deal with this, this flesh. We deal with this humanity where we know that we're, what we just did was wrong. And so we, we, we're telling ourselves off. We're condemning ourselves because of our mistake. We knew better, but yet we did it. And in Jeremiah chapter number 17, verses 9 and 10, it says, A heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord... I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So my heart is deceitful. And so I can't trust it in any situation. When, that, when I am being tempted to do wrong, my heart tells me that it's not wrong. So, you know, a temptation comes along and my heart will... Will, will try to convince me that it's really not wrong. God doesn't really care about that. He doesn't care about those little things. But what happens immediately after you fail and you, you give in to what you knew better than to do, your heart then goes to condemning you. The same heart that said, oh, there's nothing wrong with it, now says you're hopeless. Because our heart is what condemns us. It what it's what stands between us and confidence. 
And so I'm preaching today about the thief of confidence. It's your heart. It is where we uh, are, are constantly looking within. We're looking at ourselves for the, the answer to how can I be better? The answer to being better is not me doing all these things perfectly. It's when I become dependent on the Spirit of God to do what it's supposed to do in my life. I don't have the Holy Ghost just so that I can speak in another language. I have the Holy Ghost so that I can become what God has ordained me to be. The Holy Ghost is what gives me the power to become a son of God. I am not a perfect. I am not a person that to be admired, but I am serving a God that is able to work with anybody. Amen. So my heart is deceitful. Deceitful means fraudulent, crooked, polluted. That's what my heart is. And it's desperately wicked. It's not just wicked. It's desperately. That means reckless or dangerous. Leaving little or no hope. Very serious or dangerous. That's what your heart is. So that's the reason you can't put your hope in what your heart is telling you. Your heart can tell you you're a hero. Your heart can tell you you're doing everything perfectly. But yet, inside you know you know yourself. We have to look at ourselves in the mirror every day, and we know. I know me. I, I, I say, God, how can you use my life? It's not that I go out and I purposely sin. It's just I don't do the things I know I should sometimes. We do not naturally have a good heart. People don't naturally have a good heart. We have an, a deceitful heart. Our heart tells us that God has no problem with sin, but yet then it convicts us immediately when we failed. Isaiah 5, chapter 53, verse 6. <clears throat> says, All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not, openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death. Yet because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when he shall make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I, will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. I'm, I'm so glad I have a God like that. Amen. That when I don't feel able. And I don't feel like I can do anything for God. That he looks past my uh, my failures. He looks past my 
past because he has the ability to create in me something that is greater than myself. I can't allow the thief of confidence to steal my confidence in God. The Bible says it pleased the Lord. He took delight in bruising his own flesh. Why? So, uh, so that he could overcome and defeat sin. To bruise means to break in pieces, to beat to pieces. That's what happened for that, that failure that you did, that, that you uh, fell into this week. That's, that's what happened. Jesus Christ paid the full price to cover it because he knew of the humanity that we live with. He knew that we were imperfect and that throughout our life we would struggle to be what we feel God has called us to be. That doesn't give me an excuse to sin, but it does give me a way out when I do. When he went to the cross, it was for me. It was for that sin, my failure. God is greater than my heart. It wasn't just a beating that Jesus endured. I believe even the devil was astounded at what happened that day. He was marred more than any, any other man. Why would God take pleasure in bruising that flesh? was because of his desperate hate for sin. And on in the body of Jesus Christ rested all of my sin. All of my failures. Every time that I have failed, it lived there. And so when those Roman soldiers began to beat the body of Jesus, there was my sin that was being represented there. They were taking out the anger of, of, a, of a righteous God upon a sinful flesh. My sin, not his. Isaiah 52, verse number 13 says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled. Be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. He went to such, they went to such an extent God did to take out his anger upon sin. It happened in a, in a, in a day's time, those beatings and that, uh, the, the, turmoil that happened within his body as, as those that he had that had walked him down the street are now cursing and laughing at him as he's being crucified. But he did that so that I could have confidence. Not in myself, but in him. Not in what I can do, but in what he did. Not in my own ability, but in his ability. You know, he can do far more with your life than you give him credit for. Why? Because he doesn't see your limitations. He sees your, your, your ability and what he can do in your life. He sees a finished product, and he works from, he works from the end to the beginning. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 16. It says, this is, a, this is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Think about that. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith, without wavering for he is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching we live in a sinful world it easily pulls us with into its grasp but I'm telling you that when I come into the house of God I don't need to hesitate to come into his presence because of my failure when I walk in the doors of, a, of the church I'm walking in a place where the mercy of God is where his grace flows freely where the blood still covers my sin I am in the presence of a mighty God who gave the ultimate price for my sin and there is no limitation to what he can do with my life he is greater than my heart God is greater than my heart it doesn't tell me to come to him with hesitance when I come and I repent of my sins it's a time of sorrow and tears because I understand that I have failed God and that's something that Paul said he did daily, and I believe that we should too. Because we need it daily. But why don't we just do that right now? So if there's something there, why not just clear it with God now? If there is something that's in the back of your mind that your heart is condemning you why don't we just take care of that now let's ask God to search our heart God I need you you know me you know my failures you know this flesh God I am sometimes I don't see it all I ask you Lord that you would search my heart and my mind God, that you would forgive me for any sin that's in me. I may not even realize that what I did was a sin, but God, if there's any way in me that's not right today, would you cleanse my heart? Would you make me right before you? God, it's by your blood that I have forgiveness today. It's not by my righteousness. God, forgive me. Help me, Lord, to have a pure heart before you, a pure mind, a pure spirit, pure motives in everything that I do. I need you today. I need you. Thank you, Jesus.
so I can come to God like that every time. God hears it every time. And God answers it every time. I remember being a teenager. Some of you are getting into that age. And growing up in church and wondering, God, can you even forgive me again? Because I was a typical teenager and I did dumb things. And I remember feeling, God, can you still forgive me? Can I, can I be of any use to you at all, God? I knew what I did was wrong and I still did it. I don't know what's wrong with me, God. But it's the truth. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. It says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come, will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not to them who draw back unto sin or perdition, but to them that believe to the saving of the soul. God is telling me to have confidence. How can I have confidence? Because God is greater than my heart. And my heart is a thief. It's trying to steal my confidence in God. Well, I don't have the Holy Ghost. Well, it's got to be something you did. That's what your heart will tell you, right? I, rem I remember I was a young, young person living, growing up in church, and I sought the Holy Ghost for years. And in the back of my mind, every time I would go to the altar, I would go and I would repent. And I would cry and plead with God for the Holy Ghost. And never received it. And I always wondered why. All these other kids, they, they come in, they don't, they've never lived for God at all. And they're getting the Holy Ghost. And I can't get the Holy Ghost. It was because my heart was stealing from me was stealing my confidence, saying, it must be something you're doing. That's the reason that you're not getting the Holy Ghost. I can tell you this morning, or today, that your sin is not the reason that you don't get the Holy Ghost. Not receiving the Holy Ghost is a matter of confidence. Okay? It's not a confidence in yourself. It is not self-confidence. It's God-confidence. It's called faith. And when I come to God, I come to God differently. If you desire the Holy Ghost, you don't come to God and plead and beg for it. That's what repentance is about. Okay, so you come to God in repentance, you're asking Him for forgiveness. 
there's tears. But when you come to God and you're seeking the Holy Ghost, you come to God with confidence. And your heart is the thief of confidence. So how do you know whether you have confidence? Confidence is a difficult concept in the church because self-confidence uh, self is a concept of the world, right? We want to make sure our kids have self-confidence. I don't want my kids to have self-confidence. I want them to have God-confidence because with God, they can do anything in this world that they want to. Self-confidence is a concept of even modern church. You've got to have confidence in yourself. But there's something about confidence that is it's important. And I'm kind of going into teaching a little bit here right now. Because you're, if, if, you, if you look at a basketball player that is terrible at free throws, when they go up to the free throw line, it's like, I don't even want a free shot. Why am I even here? I know I'm going to miss this shot. There is a lack of confidence even when they're walking up there. It's like, all right, do this again. I'm terrible at it. What about a baseball player that is not a great hitter? Like, they've got no confidence, right? So what happens? It's self-fulfilling. Because they have no confidence, they miss. But look at the guy. He shoots 35 times, shoots a basketball 35 times. He misses. And yet he goes out there. He's like, I'm getting the next one. And he does. And you're like, why'd you even shoot that? Right? It's about confidence. Our approach to God is, is much like this. We come to God. We must come to God with confidence. And because faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So if I come to God with doubt, the devil has already won. That's the reason our heart is so deceitful and desperately wicked above all things because it robs you of confidence coming to God. But when I come to God, I come to God with confidence. God has made me a promise that he would fill me with the Holy Ghost. It may, I may not get it today, but I'm going up there with confidence that today's my day. I may not get it for a year, but you know what? Every time I go up there, I'm going to have confidence that today is going to be my day. And so when you come to the altar, it's the same as if you're holding that baseball bat. You don't come like this. I, and I'm not making fun. Because this is how we come to God. Because our heart is a thief. We don't come to God like this. When you, If you have confidence in something, you come to God with confidence. I can tell you the difference is immediate. As soon as you lift up your head and you lift up your hands and you lift up your voice, there's something that happens in the atmosphere and God begins to move and God fills the emptiness of your soul. And it happens when you have confidence in God and you don't draw back because of your own failure. You don't draw back because you've made mistakes because your confidence is not in yourself, it's in God.
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and I'm wrapping up. <clears throat> says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even, dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eye unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, find grace to help in the time of need. He knows me. He knows every part of me. And the, the word of God is sharper than any. It discerns down into the depths of my soul that even I can't see. And yet, knowing all of that, that he knows every part of me, there's nothing that's not open to him. He still says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Because you don't have a high priest that's like any other high priest. We have one that we can be dependent upon. We have one that we can put our trust in. A great high priest. What's it mean to come boldly to the throne of grace? That doesn't mean, well, maybe today, maybe next week, maybe someday I'll get the Holy Ghost. Maybe someday I'll get what I'm God's wanting to give me. That's not, going to, that's not going to get you what you're desiring. But when I come boldly, not because I am a great person, not because I'm, I've done great things, but because I have a great God. I have a great high priest who has passed into the head. He was tempted every way like I am, yet without sin. So therefore, I come boldly. I have a great hyper. I know that I can be confident in him. I know that he can ha handle my problem. I know that he can fill me with the Holy Ghost. I know that he can give me everything that I'm desiring from him. I want it to change your approach to God. God is greater than your heart. Proverbs 18, verse number 20 and 21. <clears throat> <clears throat> a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof <clears throat> a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth That word belly just it can it means also a womb. It's also the same word that Jesus used when he said, Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Your your belly is going to be satisfied with the fruit of your lips. That word satisfied means to fill completely. I don't believe there has to be any doubt about whether you receive the Holy Ghost. No doubt. When you come to God with confidence, He's going to fill you without 
without doubt. He's going to make sure that you know that you really got the Holy Ghost. You're going to be satisfied. It's going to be filled. It means fill completely. <clears throat> that word fruit is just, it is the increase or the, the, the increase of whatever, what you speak is what is going to come. It's what's going to be produced. The increase is the produce. So what your mouth speaks is what is produced that fills your belly. So when you speak negative and you speak things that are have to do with you and your failures, that's what your belly is going to be full of. But when I begin to speak the glory of God and the power of God and the majesty of God and all the great things of God, why don't we stand? I, I have a little more, but I'm not going to keep going. When we begin to do that, there's something that changes about us. It changes us dramatically from one that is always hesitant to approach God and always afraid that somehow I'm not going to measure up. Well, I'm not what so-and-so is. I'll never be what they are. Well, you're not approaching God because you are somebody. You're approaching God because He is somebody. Because He is a great high priest. My confidence is not in me. My confidence is in a God. God knows what you need today whether it's the Holy Ghost, His Spirit in your life, whether it's a healing in your body. Maybe it's just confidence in your spiritual walk. You've been, you've been living your life with hesitancy towards God. Maybe it is that you've grown up in church and because of your missteps, you've questioned whether you could ever have back what you once had. Whatever situation that you're in today, God is here to restore and renew your confidence. I wonder if you could find your way around this altar this morning. God is here. Some of you have been dealing with doubt about yourself, about even living for God. Whether you've gone too far, whether God still has a work, something for your life, would you give God that opportunity to try again and say, my confidence is not in me anymore. My confidence is in God. Let's lift our hands. Not like we are hesitant, but like, God, you've made me some promises. God, you've told me you'd do some things, and I'm here for it today, God. When you speak, speak with confidence. God, I'm here for what you promised me. You promised me that you would do this in my life. I'm here this morning for that, for that promise. That's it. With all your heart, worship him. Begin to speak out to him because he is worthy.
You haven't approached because of your abilities, but you're approaching a great high priest who's able here this morning to do wonderful things with your life. Give God another chance. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 